Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we're taking a break from our series on the Gospel of John to uh, do a kind of a standalone message, which launches our first service in our new building at 525 East Boston Street, right uh, in downtown Covington. Today's message is entitled, The People of God and the City. And we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 29, uh, prophecy given to the children of Israel when they were going into the Babylonian exile. Believe it or not, I think there's some things in that uh, chapter that, that really can apply to us today as a church, particularly as we step into a new chapter uh, in the life of North Shore Vineyard. An exciting day. And uh, so without further ado, let's head over to the new location, 525 East Boston Street for North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. I thought it was going to be colder in here. It is right here in this spot. Load me down. Um, can do Marilyn Monroe here. Okay. <laughs> Never coming back to that church again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, real quick, uh, our, our last building update. Uh, Tebby, why don't you show this, the, the building update slide? That's where we were two weeks ago. We'd already done some construction here, and so look around. Not bad, huh? Where you guys are sitting right over there, there used to be a room. We took that out. Back in the back where our cry room is, there used to be nothing. And we put that in. We added two bathrooms. And I I just want to say thank you for everybody who helped. Uh, We had all kinds of folks volunteering and Every aspect, so we couldn't have done it without you, especially these last, this last week. Uh, a lot of painting to get done. Even Dan even fell off the roof after he put it on. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he's just showing off, just like, you know, slipping off the building. And I was like, did you mean to do that? He should have, he should have just said, yeah, of course. That's what we do every time we build a roof. Uh, but uh, we, we got this whole thing done in, in really three weeks. So it's, it's amazing, all the stuff that I, it was a lot more to get done than I thought. The stage wasn't here, carpet wasn't here, uh, plumbing, electrical stuff. And, and I just uh, I want to thank a few people in particular that have just been here day and night, like Zach. Zach's been running all the electricity. There's a lot of electricity in this building. Uh, Mike Manifold, uh, and then all, all the painting crew. Everybody, if you, if you painted, thank you. A lot of their job painting was um, making up for all my mistakes, so... Uh, Probably would have been better. It probably would have been quicker if I'd have never even tried anything uh, to begin with. But anyway, here we are. And also, did we pass the offering yet? Oh, it's going around. Okay. Hey, I uh, want to give an update on the offering last weekend. We took a, I, I said uh, last weekend, we, we kind of advertised we we're going to do a special offering to pay for the expenses here. We were looking at about $30,000 that we needed. Uh, last weekend's offering, uh, we collected $25,000. And then within like three days, we got another 3000 on top of that. And then we got another 5000 committed that's going to be probably coming in in about another week. So really, all in all, about 33000 So I, I, I've told you all this many times before. I, I think this is one of the most generous churches I've ever been to. And it's cool that you guys uh, just uh, stepped up because I don't, you know, 
I don't want, I've said this time and time again, I don't want buildings to get in the way of ministry, but to facilitate ministry. So um, it's, it's uh, good that that happens. So um, you can still give to the building fund if you'd like. We, we still got to get some couches for the cry room and a few other things. So uh, it's furniture shopping time now. Uh, but I'm glad these last three weeks are over. Uh, I've had one too many 15-hour uh, days, and I'm ready to get back to some kind of normalcy. So last night, I didn't have a message, and uh, <laughs> I got to about, it was about 9 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock, I, was, I went home for a bite to eat and came back up here, and uh, so um, today we're going to, we've been in a series on, on the Gospel of John, and I just thought, kind of keeping with coming into a new building today, that, that, that it would be good for us to look at kind of God's heart for us as, as, as His people in this community in this city. And so today we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 29, uh, the chapter of chapter 29. And if anybody needs Bibles, we got some up in that bookshelf over there and you can follow along. Um, I'm going to start in uh, verse one and then skip over to verse four. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders and of the exiles and to the priest, the prophet's and all of the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may also have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also... Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We're going to continue on in Jeremiah 29 uh, in a few minutes, but have you ever been in a place that you didn't want to be? Whether it's a, maybe it's a situation in life, uh, maybe it's an actual geographic location, you just want out. That's your only option that seems feasible. Anybody ever been there before? I know I have. <laughs> um, this, this was what happened to the children of Israel. There's actually a song uh, from the, the book of Psalms that I'll read you the lyrics. And this, this, this psalm comes out of the Babylonian captivity. By the rivers, uh, Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those old Zion songs. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy... This was a song that was written as they were going into Babylon. Now, now here's, here's a little recap of, of kind of the story of Israel. The, the story of the Old Testament, really, it's a story about uh, exile, freedom, <laughs> exile, freedom. It's this whole narrative. We, we've been talking about the Gospel of John, about the parallels between John and the Exodus story. And the Exodus story was when God heard the cries of the children of Israel when they were enslaved in Egypt. I've got to move this thing. I'm... Y'all want some? I'm coming back to that church now. There we go. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Oh, yay. I guess I got to get three of these now. Uh, (laughs) 
Just have to turn them. We'll, we'll, we'll rotate it as, as I speak to them. <laughs> okay, we've got a fight starting already. Um, but the story of the Old Testament, much of it is a story about exile and freedom and exile again. And basically, God hears the cry of the children of Israel when they're slaves in Egypt, and he, he rescues them. And he, he takes them on the way to the promised land. And on the way to the promised land, he gives them the Mosaic Covenant, which is the, the Old Testament law. And God says, if you follow these terms of the covenant, then I'm going to bless you. And blessings under the Old Covenant look like land and prosperity. You're going to have a promised land and you're going to prosper when you get there. Now, curses, on the other hand, if you didn't obey the terms of the covenant, God says your, your, your land is going to be futile. It's not going to produce for you. And if you keep persisting in that direction, you're going to go into exile again. So God delivers them from slavery, but he warns them, if you don't follow the covenant, you're going to end up slaves again. And that's exactly what happens. A lot of the Old Testament is, is really about the, the children of Israel not being faithful to the covenant. And so God finally says, Look, if you're going to keep down this road, you're, you're going to go back into slavery just like you were in Egypt. But we find that slavery is, is under Babylon. And so this is a horrible time. Imagine, imagine what it would be like for us, say, if another nation invaded us. Say, say you know, uh, Canada. They, they took us all to Ontario, the best and the brightest out of here. And they, they took us to a foreign land. And we're up there. I don't eat, What do can- Canadians even eat? Uh, they eat Canadian bacon, okay. But um, bump. You're in a foreign land, and, and the, 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 the culture's different, the food's different, you're missing. As, as Louis Armstrong sang, you know what it means to miss New Orleans. Uh, you're missing New Orleans. You're missing the culture down here. You're separated. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. The, the Jewish people had been exiled. They'd been invaded by Babylon. And Babylon comes in and they take the best and brightest. They take their, their governmental rulers, their religious leaders. They take all the, all the people, the, the, the infrastructure for all of society, and they bring them to their headquarters in Babylon. And in Babylon, these guys are made to work for Babylon. Imagine how bad that would be to be conquered by somebody and then they take you and make you work in their government. Humiliating. It's as bad as you could get. And so when the psalmist says, when they asked us to sing songs of, of Zion, how could we sing these songs in a foreign land? It's just depressing. It's the worst thing ever. You can't sing songs of Jerusalem here in this pagan, ungodly empire. But it's interesting that, that these passages lead up to one of the most famous passages that we find in the book of Jeremiah. I guarantee if you go to your local Christian bookstore, you're going to find a refrigerator magnet or a, a bookmarker that has Jeremiah 20, 2911. Anybody got one of those? There's probably somebody in here. And, and we Christians, we love that verse because it's, it's one of those verses that says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. And that's great, right? Except for the fact that God said that to them on the front end of 70 years of being in exile. <laughs> so keep that in mind if that's your life verse. <laughs> God says to them, I've got good plans for you. And he goes on in verse 12. He says, Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found 
by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. You know, God, there's a verse in the New Testament that says, mercy triumphs over judgment. We find even in the judgment of God that there's mercy. You know, a lot of people, I I get so sick of every time there is anything wrong in this country, whether it's the World Trade Center attacks or Katrina or the tsunami or the Batman shootings. There's always some Christian that's going to take to the airways and say, this is the judgment of God. And the problem is they're, they're, they're doing it in a way that, that's pointing the finger. Well, well, truly, the judgment of God, even the judgment of God, is always redemptive. We see that all the way through Scripture. If God judge you, it's, 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 not, it's not so that you would just be squashed and destroyed he judges you the, the way a, a father disciplines a child. Have you ever known someone that never disciplines their child before? Or maybe you are someone. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people are afraid to discipline their child because, oh, it just doesn't seem very loving. If I discipline my child, they'll, you know. But if you see a little child that's not disciplined, they aren't going to grow up thinking they're loved. We need discipline. In the same way God, in Hebrews it says, God disciplines us like children because he loves us. We need, we need our parents to tell us, you're going outside of the boundaries. You're, you're, you're heading down a wrong path that, that's heading for destruction. I love you enough to intervene and call you back. And if you get a lifetime of that, it, it, it really enforces the love that your parents have for you. So God, in the midst of sending them into captivity, he says... He says this to them, you will call on me and pray for pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find you when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Now, as I said a moment ago, it says even at the beginning of this passage that this captivity is going to last 70 years. So, so let's let's imagine that we're in captivity and we get this letter with, from Jeremiah that's a word of the Lord to us. And, and he's saying all this stuff that, that, you know, if you seek me, you're going to find me uh, and I'm going to deliver you out of captivity. And we're like, yes, but then you realize, wait, that's not going to happen for 70 more years. That sounds kind of cruel, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, you're going to get out of captivity, but most of you are going to be dead. <laughs> the good news is I got great plans for you, but you're going to get free of all this stuff. It's going to be great, but you're going to be dead, so you won't get to actually see it. That sounds kind of cruel when we look at it. But I think what God is getting at, he's getting his people back on the plot line. See, there's a, there's a plot that goes all the way back to... Genesis chapter 12, before there's ever a Jewish people, it starts with one person, Abraham. God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to follow me to a place you don't even know. And I'm going to bless you. And your descendants are going to be like the sand of the sea, like the stars of the sky. I'm going to bless you so that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Say that with me. Blessed to be a blessing. This is a part that a lot of Christians miss these days. And the, the Jewish people, they miss it too. The part of God's intention of carving them out as a special people was not just so they would walk around saying, God loves me, I'm so special, look at how he blesses me. No, they were supposed to be blessed to be a blessing. God's 
favor, his prosperity wasn't just meant for them as an end of itself. It was meant to go out to the other nations. There's actually a part in Deuteronomy where God says, I've set you apart to be a nation of priests and kings. In other words, Israel was supposed to be like a nation that would be like a priest to all the other nations, a mediator that that when people wanted to know God, Israel would say, this is how you do it. This is how you know what God's like. But the Jewish people, just like many Christians today, they took the blessings of God and they just used them for their own selfish means. And if you do that with any of the blessings of God, if you just make it about you, my stuff, my reputation, my power, you're on the path to idolatry. And that's what happened to the, to the Jewish people. They started going after the things of the other nations. And that's how they ended up in exile. But I think that this is the key for understanding what's going on in these verses. God's saying, look, even though you're in a, a place you despise even though it feels like the worst thing that could happen to you on earth, even though you feel separated from your home, you can seek me and find me even in the midst of this. And it's on that note that I want to go back to verse 5. Verse, yeah, verse 5. God says to them, in this, in this exile that I'm sending you into, I want you to build houses and settle down plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So God's saying, look, this may sound really counterintuitive, You've been invaded by this pagan, polytheistic society that's nothing like Israel. They don't follow the law. They don't care about any of that stuff. But I want you to go to Babylon, the most, you know, the last place on earth you want to be, and I want you to serve the city. I want you to seek that city's prosperity. I want you to be a blessing to that city. We don't like to hear this kind of stuff nowadays, right? In America, if anything doesn't go our way, as Christians, what do we do? We boycott people. We go out in the streets with signs. We, we protest. We try to line up everybody against this group or that group or this whatever. God says, no, I want you to go in the middle of something you don't even want to be in. And I want you to be a blessing. I want you to prosper and realize that your prosperity is tied to the prospering of the city that, that I've sent you to. Have you ever lived somewhere you didn't want to live before? Is, it, is, is that Covington for anybody in here? <laughs> you know, when I first moved to Covington, I've, been, I've, I've almost spent half of my life in, 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 in Louisiana at this point. But I grew up out in Midland, Texas, out in the deserts. So and when I first moved to Louisiana, I moved to Hammond, or the outskirts of Hammond, uh, about close to 20 years ago. And when I first moved over there, uh, it was a foreign, strange land to me. I, I grew up in a place where you didn't have trees. You didn't have lakes. You had great sunsets. You could see stars. You had amazing Mexican food and barbecue. And I remember moving to Hammond and trying the Mexican food. And I'm like, oh, man, this ain't going to work. And if you ever lived in Hammond, they got this place called Hi-Ho. And it's called barbecue. That's a shame. It ought to be like considered false advertising. Uh, <laughs> like canned roast beef with uh, 
That's right. <laughs> so I felt like I was in exile. I, I, I'm, I'm in Louisiana and I'm just biding my time trying to get back to Texas when I first got here. Not only that, not only was the food and culture weird, but it's like I couldn't get around. I, I lived kind of outside of Hammond. And when I would ask people for directions, they wouldn't say, oh, you need to go up to Davis Street and then take a left on First Street. They would say, oh, what you need to do, you go out to that blacktop over there about two miles down next to that abandoned gas station. And then you take a right there. Now, the, the second large oak tree that you pass up, the one that's dead, that's where you take a left. And then you'll find a little gravel road out to the side of that. Uh, don't turn there, though. <laughs> you know, it, in Texas, I didn't get lost because you could kind of get your bearings everywhere. You could, you could see, oh, that's the sun. That's, that's east, west. I, 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 can, I can tell where I'm at. I was lost all the time. And I was going back on some of these country roads. And I was expecting to hear banjos or something, you know. And uh, it was scary. Um, but I felt like I was in exile. But over a period of years, I began to really feel like, just like what God says here, God, God makes it clear to them over and over again. I, I've put you here in Babylon, okay? <laughs> and I'm not saying Louisiana's Babylon. Um, over a period of years, I really felt like God was saying, this is where you're at. This is where I have you. Why don't you stop kicking against it and actually find out what I want you to do here? Start learning from me. And I did. And I started getting a heart for the people here. I started, you know... Stop complaining about all the petty little things that I left behind. And I started encountering God, and it made all the difference. You know, there was a, one of my favorite songs from the band U2. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Anybody remember that song? It's an oldie now. I'm sad. Um, in that song, Bono sings, I believe in the kingdom come where all the colors will bleed into one bleed into one. And yes, I'm still running. He says, you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. You know, I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I remember when I became a Christian, I kind of got offended at that song. I'm like, how can you say you, you believe in Jesus, you believe in the kingdom come, but you, you still haven't found what you're looking for. What are you looking for? But you know, over the years, I began to, to see that I think I can really get what Bono was getting at. See, Christianity is an exile religion, in a sense. You know, the first 300 years of Christianity, Christianity existed as kind of an exile people. It wasn't legal to serve Jesus. You had to meet in homes. Christianity was, did not have most favored status. And even when it did, much of what, what called itself Christianity was really kind of a merging of, of Roman military power and, and Christen, you know, it was called Christendom. But, but, but Christianity has always thrived as an exile religion. And I think bec- the reason that is is because of something we call in the vineyard the now and the not yet. We talk about the coming of Jesus' kingdom. It began coming with Jesus, but it hasn't come in its fullness. That's why Jesus tells us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have tasted of it. You know, for those of you that have said yes to Jesus, you've tasted of a love that is like no other. You've tasted of a healing. Maybe you've even not just been healed emotionally, but you've been healed physically from things before. We've tasted of that. It's amazing. It reminds us of home. It's the place that we're going to. But when we look around, we're not there yet, right? No matter what God's doing on the inside of each of us, 
We still live in a world where it's messed up, where people shoot each other, where marriages fall apart, where people die. It's a world that is ravaged by sin. We still haven't found what we're looking at. We believe in the kingdom come. We believe in Jesus. We've tasted of it. We ache to see the reality of it. But yet we don't see it in its fullness. Come, Lord Jesus. It's so easy to attach our own, to be so attached to our own wants that we miss what God wants to do in our lives. So easy to be attached to what I want and miss what God's want, what God wants. If I just had a better job, if I just had a husband that wasn't such a deadbeat or a wife that wasn't such a nag, if I just had kids that obeyed me, if I was just a little bit more talented, if I just had this or that, and the list goes on. But what if God isn't interested in changing your circumstances right now? What if God isn't going to change anything? What if right now He wants to change you? Don't everybody shout me down now. <laughs> Christianity is an exile religion. And there's, there's three temptations that I want to hit on today that are temptations, pitfalls for exile people. The first is, um, as, the, as the Jewish people were in, in Babylon, there was one temptation at the top of the list. They could make war with the city. You ever been, been around Christians that make war with the city? <laughs> Sometimes Christians turn out by the hundreds to, to fight for prayer in school or to the Ten Commandments on the wall of the thing. They, they, they want to fight the city. The second one is sometimes Christians want to take over the city. If we just take over the government, maybe we'll have our way. But, but too often that quest for power doesn't end good. I, it rarely has it ever ended good for Christianity in 2,000 years. Christians who get a lot of power, they're not much better than Muslims who get a lot of power or any other religious group. There's one person who is gifted to rule a country. That's Jesus Christ. There's one person who can do it without being corrupted by power. That's Jesus. Anybody else is going to mess it up. Our temptation is to make war with the city or to try to take, away, take over the city. You know, when I was in Kenner, um, part of the vineyard down there, Right before Katrina happened, we were in the middle of building a new building down there. We'd been in this strip mall for like 20 years and finally did a building campaign, had a new building. It was just about up and running. The one hang-up that we had was our landscaping. Uh, the city of Kenner was like, you can't do palm trees. And we're like, we want to do palm trees. No, you have to do azaleas. Well, how about azaleas and palm trees? And it, was, it was crazy fighting over the landscape with the city. And we, we became at odds with the city, adversarial relationship with the city of Kenner. And then Katrina happened. And it was interesting because when Katrina happened, I think it forced us to, to reevaluate all of our theology, all of our practices, even what we do as a church. And, and what we ended up doing was for the first couple of months after Katrina, we ran the kitchen at City Hall. Members from the church 
We were there three meals a day feeding the utility workers, the government employees, uh, not passing them out tracts like, oh, you want to eat dinner? Just read this tract and uh, (laughs) just feeding them. Around the same time, we were getting ready to start Kids Hope, which was a mentoring public, uh, a mentoring program for the public school, uh, Schneckenberger Elementary. And we were looking forward to mentoring at-risk kids. Well, for the first couple of months after Katrina, we couldn't even get the mentoring program. All we could do was bring hot lunches to the teachers because they didn't have a cafeteria. We could help paint their building. We could help get funnel school supplies to kids who had lost everything, who just got relocated into the area. We started taking, we adopted 20 blocks of neighborhoods to bring them food twice a week. We just started being a blessing. You know what happened? About a year after that, the, the mayor of, of Kenner gave, gave our pastor the key to the city. And then he said, look, I want Kenner, I want the vineyard to be in charge of coordinating all the churches anytime. If there's ever another hurricane like this, that Kenner Vineyard's the first one in. And y'all get to coordinate all the churches and nonprofits in this area. Because we see that you are seeking the good, the peace, the prosperity of this city. That's what Jeremiah's getting at. That's what God's getting at through Jeremiah. It was an amazing thing to see that a church could go from fighting the city on everything to just, we're going to love you. We don't have to agree with everything the city does, but we're just here to serve you and make sure the city prospers. What a concept. I know it's crazy talk. The third alternative is pulling away from the city. How many times do Christians see how bad the world is getting and, and we just want to pull away from everything, pull away from the culture, pull away from society, and we start our own little Christian club where we listen to Christian music and we, we eat Christian candy bars. There are such a thing. We do Christian aerobics, watch Christian movies, wear Christian t-shirts, put on Christian bumper stickers. Everything's bless God, hallelujah, amen, brother. And we we got our own little subculture. That's not what God's called his people to be. He's he's thrust us right in the middle of the world. He says, I want you to be in the world, but not of it. I want you to to live like salt and light, that that you would be the flavor that brings out what I'm doing, that the salt that brings out the God flavors, the light that brings out the God colors, that people would get to know God because you're in the world. Yeah, you know, I love, I love, we, last year we, we spent, I don't know, 25 weeks going through the book of Philippians. But I, I love, you know, I, I mentioned this, the name of our series was Letters from Prison. And Paul wrote the whole letter of Philippians, as with several other letters, from prison. And I'm thinking, here he is, a Jewish man who grew up in Jerusalem, and, and he's enslaved by these pagan Romans who don't want to have anything to do with Judaism or Christianity. And... And Paul, at that, at that juncture in his life, he could have mailed to all the, you know, sent out letters to all the churches saying, we need to, to boycott Rome. We need to take up arms. We need to, to uh, start a, a, a petition to, to see if we can get Christianity legalized in the Roman Empire. But does Paul do that? No. What's crazy in the book of Philippians, Paul says, look, I started talking to some of the, the Roman guards. They, they, they have to like watch me all the day. So I just start talking to them about Jesus. And I started a church here in the midst of a Roman prison. That's being salt and light. Paul wasn't trying to overthrow Rome. He was just trying to live in the kingdom of God. 
Our job isn't to be at war with the city or the culture or to take over the city or the culture. Our job is to be salt and light. Have you ever had something that's too salty? (laughs) It's like, oh. But you put the right amount of salt on something, it brings out the flavor. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. I think one of the best examples from the... the Babylonian captivity of this is, is the life of Daniel. If you, read the li- if you read the book of Daniel, you can see that Daniel was one of these best and the brightest. Him and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ab- Abednego. Um, they, they were working for the Babylonian government, but they weren't. So, so in a way, it's like they're working for this godless governmental bureaucracy. But they didn't do it the same way. The Babylonians did. They did it as unto the Lord. So Daniel gets in trouble a lot for, for continuing to pray and continue to, to, to follow dietary laws. But Daniel has wisdom from God to help the whole city. I think God's looking for more people like Daniel or like Joseph from the Old Testament. And this brings me to the last thing today. Uh, the reason I, I wanted to touch on these verses from Jeremiah because when I look at this building... You know, this was just an old building in Covington. But to me, it reminds me of the work of the kingdom. We took something that was just kind of a plain old building here, and we made something beautiful out of it. Isn't that what God does to people? Takes plain old you, remodels you. I love that that, that we're right here in the middle of downtown Covington. You know, as we're getting ready to put this, you know, I was doing all this stuff to get this church ready. You don't know how many people I came across that are like, Where's your church going to be? You know that place called the Green Room, the bar? Yeah, we're right next door to that. You're doing a bar next to the Green Room? Like, where else would we do a bar? I mean, a church. (laughs) We're going to be a bar to pay for the... No. um, where, Where else would we do a church? It never occurred to me. Of course we're next to a bar. And I hope that we can be good neighbors to the bar. I'm not, I'm not looking to shut down the bar business. I want to be a blessing to them. I, I, now, now when I'm up here at night, I just pray that, that whoever's going in there running away from God, trying to drown their sorrows in alcohol, that they'll bump into Jesus. I, I'm thankful that we get to be up in the middle of this city because we, we get to be salt and light. And I just want to, I, I, I got to tell you, as, I, as I've been, I, I really believe as I was reading through this stuff, I really believe God's bringing us into a new season as a church. And I'm excited about it. A a place where we can serve the city. Where we can be light. Where we can be salt. Where when the city of Covington or people in it hear about the North Shore Vineyard, it won't be with a cringe. You ever see people when they mention Christians, it's like... There was a girl who came over here the other night while we were uh, finishing up the repairs. And about 11 o'clock at night. And (laughs) she just walks in the back door. You looking for the green room? No. Is this going to be a church? Yeah. What kind? Christian. Ugh. <laughs> it's like, I'm really sad that that other place closed down. I was, I'm an artist and I had some art in here. I was like, well, you know, we're going to have some art in here. <sighs> Unfortunately, I have to say that's probably the majority of people who aren't in church. That's their reaction to Christians. And a lot of it has to do with those three pitfalls. 
Christians who are just seen as making war, trying to take over, or trying to retreat from society. I'm hoping that, that in this community, when people see North Shore Vineyard, when they hear about us, it won't be with a cringe. It'll be, wow, those people, they're, they're living in a different way. They're, they're in our world, but they're not living the same way. I might want to check into what's going on with them. Today, I just want to close by taking God's words to the, to the Israelites for us. Verse 7 says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Today, I just want to close by, I want to get the band back up here. I want us to sing that song again that we sang in worship. Come on up. And we're going to close with the... The pagers only work if you keep them in your pocket. Just kidding. (laughs) We're just going to close with a time of praying for this city and, and just kicking off this season of our church. So why don't you guys stand? We'll get going.